Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, if you want to uh, open the Bible, if you brought it or use your device, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 for the teaching today. And I want to begin with a couple stories. The first one is a story I used to tell during our, uh, one of our membership classes. Uh, Lorena Strombeck, here's a picture of her. She's since passed away, but a little bit about Lorena. She was heavily involved in the church, served on multiple teams. She was a member of our church and uh, came into a season where she had some problems at home. She was having septic system problems. That stinks. That was really bad, wasn't it? I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. It's probably still eight people going, I, I, don't, I don't get it. What do you, anyway. So anyway, she was having these ongoing septic system problems. She, I don't know that she was telling very many people at all. She was trying, she was working hard. She was trying to save enough money, but it was this ongoing thing and the, the septic system was not going to get fixed. Anyway. So, some of her Christian friends from the church found out about it, and they went into action. So, there were these kind of under-the-radar emails went out to the teams that she was involved in and different connections she had. And long story short, there was this response from people who knew her. So, there was like one guy who knew quite a bit about septic systems, and so he went to check it out, and he made like a short-term fix, like, okay, we can do this, and it'll work for a little while. Another guy said, I've got some excavating equipment. In a couple Saturdays, I could come over with my backhoe, and we could tear into it and try to fix it. Uh, other people didn't have backhoe skills, but they were willing. So I could be general labor. Other people offered, they, their question was, well, how much money is Lorena short? So it's, I think it was going to be a few thousand dollars, and so they were like, oh, how much is she short? Well, we could help get the, the parts and stuff. And so the cool thing, by the end of a few weeks, uh, Lorena could go into her restroom and rest. And when she was done resting, she could grab onto that little silver handle next to the toilet and, whoosh, and know that all of her resting was going away to... <laughs> the proper place and be a beautiful thing. I still remember that as a time where me, as a, as a participant in the church and trying to follow Jesus, I remember thinking, that's the way the church ought to work. One of, you know, like that was one of those good moments. God's family operating like they should. Uh, another example Years ago, I was visiting a church on the south side of Fort Wayne, which is where I grew up. I had been a Christian for a little while, and I'd heard about this church. So I went to visit, and they were getting ready to do music and worship, a lot like what we would do here in an auditorium, not quite as big as this. But before they moved into worship, one of the leaders of the church, like an elder or a board member, it wasn't the pastor, he came up and said, before we move into worship, uh, we've got some family business to attend to. He did a great job. He said, so if you're new, sorry about this, but we just need to kind of have a church family conversation. And he went on to describe how there uh, was apparently, they believed an individual in the church that was 
sending, uh, sending multiple anonymous letters to the church board and the pastor accusing someone of moral failure in their past and digging up dirt and why they shouldn't be allowed to serve at the church. You get that picture? They were sending these anonymous letters. And so this uh, uh, elder or leader, I don't think I'll quickly forget what he said. This is not his exact words, but it, it's really close. And so he said, to be clear, here's what he said to this to the entire congregation. He said, this church will never be driven by innuendo or accusations from people who want to remain anonymous. He said, if you're sending such letters, stop or step forward. If you do neither, we just want to be clear, anonymous hurtful gossip is not welcome in our church. And, and I remember I would have been sitting like over in this area right here, and I, I had this thing in me. I said, can I be a member of this church? I, I just remember thinking, well done, dude. That made me, and for years, even now, if I knew somebody in Fort Wayne and they were looking for a church, I would say there's a church on the south side of Fort Wayne. It's called Fellowship Missionary Church. You, you, I'd still check it out. Yeah, somebody, yeah. Woo-woo. You weren't the anonymous letter writer. Okay. <laughs> just checking. I guess you left the church and came up here. Okay. I just, just kidding. Ha ha ha. Okay. So those are examples of moments where we get a glimpse into how the church should work. Because, do you know that God has expectations of his children? How they're supposed to interact with each other. Here's just some examples in John. John chapter 13. Here's some expectations. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's an expectation. Next one. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's an expectation. Next one. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's God's mission. He would like everyone to know about Jesus so that they too can have their sins forgiven, have hope, the power of the Holy Spirit. Go to the, go to the whole world and talk about Jesus. Romans 12, brothers and sisters, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It's an expectation of God's family and how they should relate to each other and be. So hold those thoughts. We are finishing up this series called Friendology, doing relationships God's way. And we're going to finish our series uh, with a talk on how God's children, you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, to how God would want us to relate to each other. Now, we're gonna, not going to be able to figure this all out in one talk, but some principles of what will make the church work well together. So we're going to learn from this Corinthian 12 verse. Here's what's going on in, gar in, in regards to the background here. Uh, this letter is written to a church in a city called Corinth, and the, the church there's not functioning at a super high level. 
Uh, there's indications that they're pretty self-centered as individuals. Uh, they're taking each other to court, even though they're in the same church family, instead of working stuff out. Uh, in one chapter, in chapter 11, there are people during communion that are getting drunk during communion instead of, did you know that was not, like that's not the goal with the communion thing? So not managing their self-control well. In chapter 5, the, Paul addresses a moral failure where a guy is sleeping with his like stepmom, which was bad, and the, but the church is like celebrating it. Like, hey, isn't so much fun that Bill and, like, no, no, that's not good. And so they're making these mistakes. And so Paul is challenging them to function more like the church family should. And then he's going to use an illustration. He's going to compare the church family to the human body. And uh, here's, we'll pick it up with a few verses from this chapter. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. modesty. Halfway through verse 24. God has put together, God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. One more verse. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. The title of the talk is The Church Family or A Church Family That Works. And I want to explore two principles that, one, it'd be great to be part of a church that regularly operates like God would want us to operate. How I many you know there's at least a few folks out there that have suffered disappointment because they went into the church and the church didn't operate very well? Anybody? Anybody? Right? I mean... So wouldn't it be great if we were better than that? Uh, and the other motivation for me with some of these principles is I just like to be a guy that tries really hard so that God looks down and he says, thanks, son, for trying to do what I want you to do. That's, that's worth it. And so with those things in mind, let me pray, and I'll give you a couple ideas that we can uh, strive for as sons and daughters of God. So, Father... It'd be great if we could be faithful as your sons and your daughters in such a way that we would represent you well. I know that when we do that, there's more power, uh, more of a release in our world when the church operates well. So will you challenge us? And... It'd be awesome to make you smile. So talk to us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas from the text 
about a church family that works. The first one is this. A church family that works is significantly connected. Connected. It's a pretty observable principle in verse 21 where Paul says, The eye cannot say, I don't need you. By the way, in the version that I read, it has that exclamation point. So I'm not sure what that means, but it feels to me like someone would be saying it maybe with some uh, arrogance or aggressiveness, like, well, I don't need you, and then, then somebody else might say, well, I don't need you either. There's this divide, this division thing that can happen because of irritation. But anyway, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And it says, on the contrary, and it goes on to talk about how we, we do need each other. And I've talked about this before, but it's interesting to me that Paul uses this kind of a weird word picture where body parts are talking to each other. Like the eye is talking to the hand. Which by, you know, the eye, how many of you know the eye doesn't have a mouth, so it really can't talk to the hand, but it's expressing itself to the hand. And it's a, it's a foolish picture because in reality, even though, okay, let's all pretend we're eyes, right? It might be easy to, look, we're just one eyeball. Just get in your mind, like we're all eyeballs. And it might be easy to think, well, I don't need that hand, right? Well, I don't need a hand. I got, my, I got me, and my lashes are looking good, and I'm, I'm all that. But just wait until a bug flies into you. And then you'll be like, oh, dang, I could sure use a finger here. Does that make sense? Like we, this is a stupid illustration. Welcome to the vineyard. Another dumb illustration. I'm Mark. But it's, it would be easy to think, no, I'm good. Until you're not good, and then you think, oh, gosh, I wish there were a hand here. Does that, you like that? Or the head is then talking to the feet. The head, now that's got some skills, right? It's got eyes and nose and mouth and ears and some hair, some of us, some hair. Others, not so much, but it's okay. But if all you got the head, life's going to be pretty empty because let's just pretend you're just sitting there at the kitchen table, just the head. What are you going to do all what are you, what are you going to do all day? And you, and you know there's ice cream in the fridge, but you're like Will you call it? <laughs> Come here ice cream. It's not coming. You need got no feet. You get it just doesn't work without the rest of the body. And so here's this simple idea to say we don't need each other is just foolish. It just is not true. This is so applicable to some of the most important things in our lives, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. And I was thinking of parents. Like, if you have kids that you're trying to raise... It's going to be really important that those kids are connected to not just you, but other solid Christians who will affirm and confirm the spiritual truths that you're trying to teach them so they won't just hear it from you. 
I've heard statistically the most important, one of the most important things for a teenager in their spiritual development is, is it's important for their parents to raise them in such a way, but in their teenage years, one of the defining marks of their development is whether another adult identifies their gifts and affirms their faith. It's not so much on the parent, it's if somebody else says to your son, dude, I see some good stuff in you and I appreciate the way, does that make sense? We need other people, if we're going to do that well, we need that. Um, morally, anybody here trying to stop a sin in your life? Only four of us. The rest of you are amazing. Right? There's that thing. Does anybody want to share what their sin is? Okay. No, I was kidding. Don't do that. But can I tell you, if you're part of the, the body of Christ in fellowship, connected with other Christians, it's going to increase your chances of successfully stopping that sin thing because you're going to be with other people who are also trying to successfully stop their sin thing. Doing that stuff by ourselves, this doesn't work near as well. And especially if you go outside of the church in the midst of a world that will tell you dumb stuff. They will, inc okay, side note. We live in a world that will encourage sinful, evil, self-centered stuff. Hey, are you in the same world I'm in? Right? They will say not what we need to hear, but whatever will just affirm, oh, it's not that bad. Do you know all that? Are you with me? We need people who will love us enough to say, yeah, I get it. Yes, it's hard. But, but stop that. Let me pray for you. That's not going to go well. That's not honoring God. That you're, that's going to leave a mark on your soul or your spouse's soul or your kid's soul. Or, right? We need those voices. By the way, a fun thing is when we gather together and we are connected, we can accomplish things that we could never accomplish on our own. The community center that we're doing an outreach in a neighborhood. Most of us have somewhat of a heart that we'd like to see a struggling neighborhood get better. Look, one person doing that, you can make a difference. But we have like a team of 70. If you're connected at the church, you're kind of part of this. A team of 70 people. And they're making a difference in a difficult neighborhood in Mishawaka. And I'm going to show you a quick video. It's really kind of a crude video. Uh, not vulgar, but crude. Like it's not a great, greatly produced video. Over the last year, year, year and a half, we've been connected with a ministry in India. And uh, in India, in New Delhi, there are 23 million people in the metropolitan area. That's, that's bigger than Goshen. Like, <laughs> like a monster play. <laughs> and there are almost no Christians. Is that, there's almost, so there, for every 22, I think it's every 22,000 people in New Delhi, there will be one follower of Christ. God would like to see that changed. He would like to see the light of Jesus, the power of God, people being able to be forgiven for their sins. So anyway, we're getting to partner uh, with this ministry and connected we provided the funds to build what you're about to see. It's one um, floor of a Christian school 
that is in the middle of New Delhi, which is a crazy thought. Watch this. It's really... This is our school building. They're just finishing Almost it. Almost done. God is good. And uh, this you can see inside. That's a classroom. And that's a whole building. Praise God for what's happening. God is good. So I know it's just, all a, way just a... Oh, all the way there. there we go. It's amazing what you can get done in New Delhi for what here would cost a gazillion dollars for $200,000. We built an entire, this entire level of this school and it's getting ready to open this next spring. It, we're gonna probably be giving you more uh, info about it over the next months, but it's way cool. And it way would not happen if there wasn't a bunch of us joining together to get it done. Yay! <laughs> so, to make this personal, here's a fill in the blank. Am I connected enough to church to be used in a godly cause? And for those of you that are, thank you. For those of you that are, that are not, jump on board. We can do more together than we can apart. And if I could, before we finish this point, uh, a couple things. Just um, don't live a distant Christian life. Don't do it. I know it's easy, but don't. It won't serve you well. It does not honor God as much. We don't get things done as much. Just resist. Resist it. All right. So a church family that works is significant. Whatever I said there. A church family that works stays emotionally involved. It stays emotionally involved. We'll get to the text in a moment. But uh, to get us there... This emotional involvement has become different for me as I've aged. Some of you won't relate to this because you're so young and you're amazing. But like for me to stay caring and emotionally involved, it sometimes gets harder over time because I've tried it before and it ends up with disappointment. So for example, I have two friends in my life right now that have cancer. And I've been down this road before. And sometimes it feels easier to not care too much because you don't know how the story's going to end. Because sometimes it ends with sadness and other times it ends with celebration. But to stay emotionally connected is a risk. Amen? It's a risk in life. But God would call us to risk staying emotionally connected. The text. Parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Feel it. Stay engaged with it. Help bear their burden. If one part, now this is the fun part, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Yay! Is it? This is probably, I haven't said this in other surfaces, could be a mistake. One of the things that I, yeah, it really could be. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you're scrolling through Facebook, anybody heard of Facebook? Okay. And, it, and 
everybody's life looks amazing, because sometimes you just hate them. You just go, I'm not so. What the heck? Are they in Hawaii again? What kind of a people? Don't these people have jobs? So here's just a. Here's this totally. I'm not going to do this any other service. Can we stop the recording? <laughs> Shoot. But here's a here's a spiritual discipline that that I have been practicing, and it's lifted my emotional. You know, one of the great things to do when you see something that good going on in another person's life, can you just, can I just celebrate with them instead of being irritated with their success? And they don't even know that I was irritated or not. But it affects our own soul. When we look and -and so-and-so's got a date, we should go, yes, I'm so happy for them. Does that, does that, that is what Christians, if one part is suffering, we should bear the burden. If somebody else is seeing success, we should be like, woo, I am so happy for that person. Even when we're talking about it now, everybody just say, woo, ready, go, woo. Doesn't that make you feel better than sitting around wishing you were in Hawaii with everybody else? It's just I don't know, that was a little creepy. (laughs) No, but... Okay, let's get back to the notes. Here we go. A Christian, fill in the blank. A Christian lets the ups and downs of another's life affect the ups and downs of their heart. That's the principle. We're connected. We're emotionally involved. So if your heart is down, I'm willing to let my heart come down a little bit too. If your heart is up, I'm eager to join with you in your celebration because it's so cool that that good thing is happening. Again, I'm in my Bible time in Luke. There's a great story of Jesus in Luke chapter 7. Uh, try to describe this. It says, So Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Picture it. Jesus got a big, kind of an entourage of people following and his disciples. As he's approaching the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. So you've got these two crowds kind of passing at the entrance to the city. Uh, Jesus either realizes because he's the Lord of the universe and knows what's going on, or he inquires and hears who's the guy in the coffin, basically, getting carried out. Oh, that's her son, and she's already lost her husband, and that's her only son. And here's... What, by the way, it would be easy for Jesus to just keep walking, okay? It's a very unique story, biblically, because no one asks him to get involved in it. By the way, that's unique. Most of the time, the Lord responds to people who cry out and ask and all that stuff. But he's just going by, and then he's going this way, and, and it, but here's what it says. When the Lord saw her... His heart went out to her. 
So there's something happening where he becomes aware and they're passing by, but his heart's like, oh. And it stops him in his tracks and he gets involved and he raises the guy from the dead and he says, here, mom, here's your boy back and have a happy day. Gets involved. I summed it up this way. This is not a fill in the blank, but it'll come up on the screen. Jesus couldn't just walk. He couldn't just walk on by because his heart was too involved. And we'll leave that on the screen for a moment. That's the challenge with this point. Let your heart get or stay involved in the people around you. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he would ask of us. Last verse, and then we'll do a fill in the blank. This is a, an important verse. You might want to, they're all important. But it's interesting to me because Jesus is in the middle of being very critical of a group of people. Right? You don't want to be on Jesus' bad side, FYI. And he's being really critical of a group of people. And it says in Matthew 13, 15, he says, this people's heart, oh, he says these people's heart has become calloused. That's bad. It says they hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn. This is the image for me. These are the people that are in the midst of the two crowds passing by. They don't really hear what's going on. They don't even look that direction because they're not sure they care. And their hearts are calloused. And so they just keep their heart to themselves. And they just, they just walk on past. And the challenge for us is don't. Because can we put that scripture back up? The great thing is other, otherwise they might see with their eyes. That's what we should do hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and here it is, turn. That's what Jesus did. He just turned. Last fill in the blank. Never stop letting your heart affect your direction. And we'll do well. So to recap, a church family that works is significant, significantly connected and stays emotionally involved. To that end, would you stand and we will move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.